This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about what COVID 19 taught us about retirement planning. Now, there's a lot of lessons, I think, that has been taught to us within the COVID-19 pandemic, like how to survive by cooking your own meals and <laughs> how to actually finally get to those projects around your house because you can't leave. But specifically, what has COVID-19 taught us about retirement planning? And there's a number of different things that have come up over the last few months but consistently I'm seeing the same story that the top three things that COVID-19 has taught us about retirement planning have to do with market risk, interest rate risk, and sequence of returns risk. So really three big risks that face retirees and near retirees in a different way than they do other investors. And those are the three things that I really wanna dig into right now. So first of all, let's take a look at market risks or the risk associated with the stock market to be more specific. Now, y'all know that the stock market does two things. It goes up and it goes down. <laughs> and if you're going to invest in the stock market, you have to be willing to ride that ride. In fact, a lot of people compare this ride to that of a roller coaster. And a roller coaster, when you think about it over time, how the roller coaster has evolved, right? The old roller coasters of, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, they look kind of tame compared to the new roller coasters that have come out. I mean, the rides of today are a lot scarier. And I think that's kind of the same as the stock market. The volatility we're seeing right now is far greater than what we've seen before in history. We're seeing stocks and entire industries sometimes move more in one hour today than they used to in an entire year back in the 70s and the 80s. And this increased volatility has served to increase the emotional intensity that most people feel around this. I mean, y'all know there's no guarantees in the stock market, but the increased emotional intensity of the ups and downs of today's market really does cause people to panic and freak out a little bit differently now than it has in the past. But, you know, when you think about it in terms of market risk, for quite some time, we've had good markets. It really hasn't been a bad roller coaster ride for long-term investors in the last, say, decade, because really the last time we had a significantly bad market was back in 2008, 2009 area with the financial crisis. And so when we have 10 years of growth, then we start to get a little complacent with thinking growth just is going to happen, right? So according to Valor Capital, if you would have put $100,000 in the S&P 500, over the course of the last 10 years, from March 2010 to March 2020, it would now be worth over $250,000. So that's why we invest, right? We are willing to risk the ups and downs because the trend over the long term is frequently up. 
And volatility isn't something that's new to us. In fact, if we look at a broad time horizon all the way back to 1926 and look at the bulls and the bears over time, then we see that there has been a number of bull markets and a number of bear markets, but historically, over time, the trend has been consistently up. So that is why we see people willing to take risk in the stock market. Now, the problem is that when we have volatile markets like today, we start to see people trying to time the markets. And timing the markets, people know you're not supposed to do that, and they don't realize what they're doing is trying to time it. People might think that timing the market think, looks like, I'm going to sell when the market S&P 500 is at this level, and I'm going to rebuy at this level. That is not what traditional market timing is looking like in most of all y'all's portfolios, or your thoughts at least. Market timing for people during a downturn sounds like this. Gosh, Mary, you know, I don't want to lose anymore because I've already lost some and I'm getting really nervous about this. So I just want to sell out now. And then if, if the market goes down further, I'll rebuy in. You I mean, I'll, I'll let it drop and then I'll rebuy in. Or it'll sound like I can't handle losing anymore. This is keeping me up at night. I want you to sell. And then if this market recovers, then I'll think about going back in. That, my friends, is an example or two of market timing. That's what market timing sounds like emotionally for people. And so here's the problem with market timing. If you miss the single best performing day in the market, it is going to cost you significantly. And you don't know if you're going to miss the best performing day. That's the problem, is we don't know when that best day of a bounce is going to be. And the reality is that if you look at historically things over time, market retraces, markets rebounding, markets coming back to where they were tend to happen in bounces and spurts. It's not a steady eddy progression forward back to where you were. It happens in chunks. And if you're not in the market, you will miss that rebound. So that is something that is really important to consider. The other thing about the market is that you have to not listen to your emotional logic. Your emotional logic will probably tell you to do exactly the wrong thing. Our emotions get the best of us when markets are down. And so when markets are going up, it, your emotions are telling you to invest and really at the top of the market is when you want to maybe sell some and rebalance to more conservative. And your emotions will tell you to sell, sell, sell at the bottom of the market because you just can't stomach any more loss. And in the reality, that might be the best opportunity for you to buy, buy, buy to make some money on the rebound. So emotional logic, define your emotional logic. Basically, whatever your emotions are telling you to do, probably do the opposite. <laughs> I talked about that a little bit on last week's show and kind of went in that more in depth. But the reality is that people make emotional decisions that increase their market risk because they're making choices at the wrong time to do things. So the market risk, what COVID-19 has taught us about the market risk is this. 
you have to make sure your risk tolerance is aligned with the purpose and the time frame that you are going to use that money. If you take nothing away from this show, that's the main thing. Your risk tolerance, the amount of risk you have in your portfolio, isn't about how you can just stomach it at night, today, tomorrow, the next day. It's about what's your purpose for that money and when are you going to use it. If it is money that you are likely to use in the next 10 years, that is probably something that needs to be more conservative, something that you can focus on income. And if it's money you're not going to use for at least 10 years, there's where you can embed some risk if you feel comfortable. But the time frame, how long you have to allow for market recovery if there's a down market, that plays a huge, huge important part in the whole planning process. Okay, let's take a look at the second big risk that we really learned some lessons around in the COVID-19 pandemic, and that is interest rate risk. So interest rate risk is the risk associated with interest rates moving up or down. And we see this in two different places. We see this in the bond market and in various kinds of savings account. So let's think about this for a second. When the pandemic happened, when the lockdowns happened, one of the first things that the Fed did is they dropped the interest rates down to near zero levels. And all of a sudden, people started talking about negative interest rates. And oh my gosh, wouldn't that be horrible if that happened? So what the heck does this mean for all of you? Well, here's what it means. There is an inverse relationship between interest rates and the value or the price of the bonds in your portfolio. Inverse means like a seesaw. So if interest rates go up, your bond prices fall. If interest rates go down, your bond prices rise up. Okay? Now, think on the seesaw, though, that not all bonds are equal. So long-term bonds sit way out on the edge of the seesaw, and their prices rise and fall in a greater range when interest rates change. Intermediate bonds sit a little ways down the seesaw. They don't have quite as much of a range. And short-term bonds kind of sit in the middle of the seesaw. So as things are moving up and down, short-terms fluctuate a little bit, but not nearly as much as the intermediate or the long-term ones do. So when you think about where interest rates are today, what do you think they're going to do in the future? They're at near zero. I don't think they're likely to go down because we would really like to avoid negative interest rates. So where might they go? They might stay the same or they might go up. And what happens to bond values when rates go up? You got it, they drop. It's a seesaw type of relationship. So the thing about bonds, when you think about them, is you want the, this is your stability, right? You want the value of your bonds to stay stable. So number one, having a diverse portfolio of types and lengths of bonds is something that COVID-19 has taught us is very important. But number two, understanding that these rates affect your bonds and that it, there might be other paths to stabilization is something to keep in mind, too. Now, you also think about, OK, well, what does it affect beyond bonds? It affects things like your bank CDs and your savings accounts. So, you know, what are the risks of these? Well, your interest rates on your savings accounts right now are low. And I mean, really, really really low. Bank CDs and savings accounts are not beating inflation. 
meaning the cost of living is going up and your bank money is sitting still. So if that's happening, then what is created by that is a decrease in something called purchasing power. Purchasing power is how much you can buy with your dollar bills. And if your money in your CDs and your bank is not beating inflation, it means that your dollar is going to buy less as time goes by. That's a problem. That's not something that long term we like to see. So not only do low interest rates like this affect your bond portfolios, but they also affect your bank accounts, your CD renewals, your CD rates, your savings account rates, and things like that. So what do we like about interest rates being low? The cost of borrowing is a lot less. You can borrow money for cheap, cheap rates. That's the benefit of it. And that's why they do that is because they want to get money lent out into the economy and get money moving around in the economy. They don't want it just parked in savings accounts. So they're making it more attractive to borrow money and spend money rather than save money. They're, that's intentional on the part of the Fed. But from an interest rate risk standpoint, you have to understand that what COVID-19 is teaching us about this is that while bonds, cash, bank instruments, and things like that are intended to be the stable parts of your portfolio, they in fact can destabilize when there's rapid change in the actual interest rates themselves. Congratulations to Mary Stirk for being named three years in a row to the 2020 Forbes list for Best in State Wealth Advisors and Top Women Wealth Advisors. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we've been talking about what COVID-19 has taught us about retirement planning. And we talked a little bit about market risk. We talked a little bit about interest rate risk. And now I'm going to touch on sequence of returns risk. Now, if you've listened to me for very long, you've heard about sequence of returns risk. But for many of you, you may never have heard of this. And you might be wondering, what is this? If I've never heard about it, how big of a risk can this possibly be? Well, Kiplinger is a leader in personal finance news, and they posted an article recently titled, Retirees Can't Afford to Underestimate Sequence of Returns Risk. The subtitle read, if the market tanks in the early years of your retirement, you could be in big trouble unless you're prepared. And the author went on to far as to say, and personally I agree, that sequence of returns risk, in my opinion, may be the biggest risk retirees face. So what does sequence of returns risk even mean? Sequence of returns risk return, refers to the risk associated with the order of your returns that your investments receive. Now that might not be really clear, so let me try that another way. We've already established that markets go up and down. Right? Some years are positive and some years are negative. But does it matter the order of the good and the bad years? Well, actually, when you get to retirement age, the order does matter. Sequence and returns risk simply means that your overall long-term results are impacted by the timing of the ups and the goods. So, 
It's really important with sequence of returns risk to understand something called the money cycle. So the money cycle is something that we all go through. And typically the money cycle has two parts. Part one is called the accumulations or savings phase. And that's when you're working and you're putting money away into your retirement account. The second phase is called the distribution or the income phase. And that's when you're retired and drawing an income from those savings that you've accumulated over the years. Makes sense, you, have, you accumulate and then you distribute. Well, most Americans go directly from the accumulation phase right to the distribution phase. And what they are missing is a critical middle phase called the preservation phase. The preservation phase is the time frame that occurs of five years right before you retire and the first five years of retirement. We call that the fragile decade. And it's the fragile decade because it's in that 10-year period that the sequence of your returns actually matters. And this risk comes into play. It's during that 10-year period, the five years leading up to retirement and the first five years of retirement, that if you have negative returns towards the beginning of that sequence, you could be in a position where you might never recover from a market downturn. Now that's pretty strong words. You might never recover from it. And the reality is that that is true because sequence of returns affects people when they are ready to start distributing. And if you have to distribute out of an account where the market value is down significantly because of a bad market, you are selling more shares, you're selling bigger chunks of it, a bigger percentage of it to fund your cash flow needs, and it doesn't have time to recover. So what COVID-19 has taught us about sequence of returns risk is that this bucket planning concept that we talk about is of primary importance for people who are planning to retire. So listen, if you are within five years of retiring, you really should reach out and give us a call and talk to us about creating your bucket plan. The bucket planning concept helps us figure out how much money you're likely to spend during your fragile decade, and then that's going to help us determine how much money we should segregate and invest into something that is help to protect it from sequence of returns risk, help to protect it against interest rate risk, and help to protect it against market risk. That is the whole benefit of having what's called a soon bucket, is determining exactly how much and what to put it into for that investment pool to protect it from these three main risks that are out there. And then it lets all the rest of your money sit out in a later bucket that it's okay to have some market risk. It's okay to have some interest rate risk. And we don't have to worry about sequence of returns risk because we're not intending to spend it for at least 10 years. And by golly, if the market goes down during that 10 year period, you should have time before you need to spend it to let the market recover before you have to start tapping into it. That's the beauty of the bucket planning. It really answers all three of these risks. So what COVID-19 has taught us is that if you are within five years of retiring or in the first five years of your retirement, it is of major importance to review your financial plan and make sure that your buckets are set up in the most effective way possible to try to help prevent against damage from these risks that we have been talking about. That is the name of the game. And again, 
it all goes back to the idea that your emotions are likely to tell you one thing and they're going to probably be telling you to do the wrong thing. So you're in that time frame and you're thinking, gosh, I need a bucket plan. The biggest thing that people do wrong is they get nervous and they move everything over to a soon bucket style of investing that's trying to protect against these things. But what happens when you do that is you put all your eggs into that basket. You don't have any money out there with a long-term growth focus. And if you're lucky and your retirement lasts 20, 25, 30 years, you've really given up way too much opportunity potential that is still long-term. So emotions are going to tell you to do one thing. Math, data, and good planning are going to help you figure out what is your better plan to do. Okay, so we've talked about a number of things that we've learned during COVID-19. And I hope this has been really valuable for you to understand not only what it has taught us about these three risks, the market risk, the interest rate risk, and the sequence of returns risk, but I hope that it's also helped you understand what to do next. And what to do next is to reevaluate your risk levels at the current market levels. Reevaluate your bucket planning. And if you don't have any bucket planning, talk to one of our advisors about setting one up so that you can help protect yourself against whenever the next down market does happen. All right, thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.